Good day to you, my friends, and welcome to July 9th. It is day 189 of Bible in a Year with Bill. Today, we're going to be reading from Amos chapter 7 to 9, and then we're going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 8. So let's get right into it today. The book of Amos chapter 7. God, my master, showed me this vision. He was preparing a locust swarm. The first cutting, which went to the king, was complete, and the second crop was just sprouting. The locusts ate everything green. Not even a blade of grass was left. I called out, God, my master, excuse me, but what's going to come of Jacob? He's so small. God gave in. It won't happen, he said. God showed me this vision. Oh, God, my master God was calling up a firestorm. It burned up the ocean, then it burned up the promised land. I said, God, my master, hold it, please. What's going to come of Jacob? He's so small. God gave in. All right, this won't happen either, God, my master said. God showed me this vision. My master was standing beside a wall. In his hand, he held a plumb line. God said to me, what do you see, Amos? I said, a plumb line. Then my master said, Look what I've done. I've hung a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I've spared them for the last time. This is it. Isaac's sex and religion shrines will be smashed. Israel's unholy shrines will be knocked to pieces. I'm raising my sword against the royal family of Jeroboam. Amaziah, priest at the shrine at Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is plotting to get rid of you, and he's doing it as an insider working from within Israel. His talk will destroy the country. He's got to be silenced. Do you know what Amos is saying? Jeroboam will be killed. Israel is headed for exile. Then Amaziah confronted Amos. Seer, be on your way. Get out of here and go back to Judah where you came from. Hang out there. Do your preaching there. But no more preaching at Bethel. Don't show your face here again. This is the king's chapel. This is a royal shrine. But Amos stood up to Amaziah. I've never set up to be a preacher, never had plans to be a preacher. I raised cattle and I pruned trees. Then God took me off the farm and said, Go, preach to my people Israel. So listen to God's word. You tell me, don't preach to Israel. Don't say anything against the family of Isaac. But here's what God is telling you. Your wife will become a whore in town. Your children will get killed. Your land will be auctioned off. You will die homeless and friendless, and Israel will be hauled off to exile far from home. Amos chapter 8 My master God showed me this vision, a bowl of fresh fruit. He said, What do you see, Amos? I said, A bowl of fresh ripe fruit. God said, Right, so I'm calling it quits with my people Israel. I'm no longer acting as if everything is just fine. The royal singers will wail when it happens. My master God said so. Corpses will be strewn here, there, and everywhere. Hush! Listen to this, you who walk all over the week. You who treat poor people as less than nothing. Who say, when's my next paycheck coming so I can go out and live it up? How long till the weekend when I can go out and have a good time? Who give little and take much and never do an honest day's work. You exploit the poor, using them, and then when they're used up, you discard them. God swears against the arrogance of Jacob. I'm keeping track of their every last sin. 
God's oath will shake earth's foundations, dissolve the whole world into tears. God's oath will sweep in like a river that rises, flooding houses and lands, and then recedes, leaving behind a sea of mud. On judgment day, watch out! These are the words of God, my master. I'll turn off the sun at noon. In the middle of the day, the earth will go black. I'll turn your parties into funerals and make you and make every song you sing a dirge. Everyone will walk around in rags with sunken eyes and bald heads. Think of the worst that could happen. Your only son, say, murdered. That's a hint of Judgment Day, that and much more. Oh yes, Judgment Day is coming. These are the words of my Master God. I'll send a famine through the whole country. It won't be food or water that's lacking, but my word. People will drift from one end of the country to the other, roam to the north, wander to the east. They'll go anywhere, listen to anyone, hoping to hear God's word, but they won't hear it. On Judgment Day, lovely young girls will faint of word thirst. Robust young men will faint of God thirst, along with those who take oaths at the Samaria Sin and Sex Center, saying, As the Lord God of Dan is my witness, and the Lady Goddess of Beersheba bless you, their lives will fall to pieces. They'll never put it together again. Amos chapter 9 I saw my master standing beside the altar at the shrine. He said, Hit the tops of the shrine's pillars. Make the floor shake. The roof's about to fall on the heads of the people, and whoever's still alive, I'll kill. No one will get away. No runaways will make it. If they dig their way down into the underworld, I'll find them and bring them up. If they climb to the stars, I'll find them and bring them down. If they hide out at the top of Mount Carmel, I'll find them and bring them back. If they dive to the bottom of the ocean, I'll send dragon to swallow them up. If they're captured alive by their enemies, I'll send sword to kill them. I've made up my mind to hurt them, not help them. My master, God of the angel armies, touches the earth, a mere touch, and it trembles. The whole world goes into mourning. Earth swells like the Nile at flood stage. Then the water subsides like the great Nile of Egypt. God builds his palace, towers soaring high in the skies, foundations set on the rock-firm earth. He calls ocean waters, and they come. Then he ladles them out on the earth. God, your God, does all this. Do you Israelites think you're any better off, any better than the far-off Cushites? God's decree. Am I not involved with all nations? Didn't I bring Israel up from Egypt, the Philistines from Kaftor, the Arameans from Kir? But you can be sure that I, God, the Master, have my eye on the kingdom of sin. I'm going to wipe it off the face of the earth. Still, I won't totally destroy the family of Jacob. God's decree. I'm still giving the orders around here. I'm throwing Israel into a sieve among all the nations and shaking them good, shaking out all the sin, all the sinners. No real grain will be lost, but all the sinners will be sifted out and thrown away. The people who say, nothing bad will ever happen in our lifetime, it won't even come close. But also on that judgment day, I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces. I'll repair the holes in the roof, replace the broken windows, fix it up like new. David's people will be strong again and seize what's left of enemy Edom, plus everyone else under my sovereign judgment, God's decree. He will do this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim, one thing fast on the heels of the other. You won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once and everywhere you look. Blessings. 
blessings like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them, plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God, says so. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 There's nothing better than being wise, knowing how to interpret the meaning of life. Wisdom puts light in the eyes and gives gentleness to words and manners. Do what your king commands. You gave a sacred oath of obedience. Don't worryingly second-guess your orders or try to back out when the task is unpleasant. You're serving his pleasure, not yours. The king has the last word. Who dares say to him, what are you doing? Carrying out orders won't hurt you a bit. The wise person obeys promptly and accurately. Yes, there's a right time and way for everything, even though, unfortunately, we miss it for the most part. It's true that no one knows what's going to happen or when. Who's around to tell us? No one can control the wind or lock it in a box. No one has any say-so regarding the day of death. No one can stop a battle in its tracks. No one who does evil can be saved by evil. All this I observed as I tried my best to understand all that's going on in this world. As long as men and women have the power to hurt each other, this is the way it is. One time I saw, wick I saw wicked men given a solemn burial in holy ground. When the people returned to the city, they delivered flowery eulogies. And in the very place where wicked acts were done by those very men, more smoke, indeed. Because the sentence against evil deeds is so long in coming, people in general think they can get by with murder. Even though a person sins and gets by with it hundreds of times throughout a long life, I'm still convinced that the good life is reserved for the person who fears God, who lives reverently in his presence, and that the evil person will not experience a good life. No matter how many days he lives, they'll, be, uh, they'll all be as flat and colorless as a shadow because he doesn't fear God. Here's something that happens all the time and makes no sense at all. Good people get what's coming to the wicked, and bad people get what's coming to the good. I tell you, this makes no sense. It's smoke. So... I'm all for just going ahead and having a good time, the best possible. The only earthly good men and women can look forward to is to eat and drink well and have a good time. Compensation for the struggle for survival these few years God gives us on earth. When I determined to load up on wisdom and examine everything taking place on earth, I realized that if you keep your eyes open day and night without even blinking, you'll still never figure out the meaning of what God is doing on this earth. Search as hard as you like, you're not going to make sense of it. No matter how smart you are, you won't get to the bottom of it. The world is full of crimes that never get solved and corrupt politicians and businessmen who have climbed to power. Christian persecution is rising and godly men and women often go unnoticed. The unrighteous appear to prosper, while people who follow God are persecuted. 
Solomon also saw this happen during his lifetime. When we see the wicked succeed, it can be tempting to believe that life would be better apart from God. This is a lie. In Ecclesiastes 8.12, Solomon warns us, saying, Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before Him. As Christians, we know we have so much more to live for than the here and now. Our lives on earth are a blip on the timeline of eternity. When we look at our lives through that long-term perspective, we realize that doing whatever it takes to get ahead in this life is just as Solomon described, meaningless, or in the message, smoke. Christians will not always have immediate reward for following Jesus, nor will people receive immediate judgment for walking away from him. But despite what hardship we may endure, a relationship with Jesus is worth far more than any temporary prosperity. Is there any area of your life that you have believed the lie that it would be better apart from God? And in what ways has following God in another area been for your good? What step do we need to take to begin having a long-term perspective when it comes to our daily decisions in following Jesus? Thank you for joining me today on Bible in a Year with Bill. I'm here every day doing the same thing at the same time in the same place. Well, not necessarily in the same place. Sometimes I record these in the cab of my truck at work. Sometimes I record these in my basement. Sometimes I record these out on a park bench. But anyway, I'm here every day getting into the message. Thanks again for joining me, and I will see you tomorrow. Take care now.